0: Welcome to Episode 2 of the Propaganda Podcast. Sacrifice.
1: Hiroshima. The blast begins! It's devastating!
2: beef hey chris how's it
0: going good where are we we're uh we're in your basement back in the practice space eh? so todd yes chris how you doing i'm okay doing okay today doing pretty good you seem today. like you're either tired or pissed off
3: oh i'm not pissed off really more than my general usualness mm-hmm. uh but not very well i'm a little bit tired not very tired
0: you're not very tired eh
3: it's mildly tired i'm tired
0: you're
2: tired yeah why i don't know What happened? I can't sleep. Why? I don't know.
0: Do you need me to rub your back? That would be nice. No.
3: And why are you tired? Me? Probably because I lay there all night thinking all kinds of crazy thoughts. Like what? Well, I think about my songs for a while. Then I think about drawing for a while. Then I think about the book I read for a while. Then I think about what else I did. Then I think about world events. Then I'm back to my songs. Then I start thinking about drawing. And then I start thinking about painting. Mm -hmm. Then I start thinking about drawing perspective then I start thinking about singing then I start thinking about guitar scales and stuff then I start thinking about new ways to arrange my songs and then I start thinking about drawing then I start thinking about world events then I notice my cats crawling all over my head and then uh and then she goes away and I'm back to my uh insomniac vision fuck there's a lot that's been going on in our world eh boys there has, Chris, and I mean
0: propaganda yeah Yes. Anyone care to tell me what one of those things is? Let's hear what Beeve has to say.
2: Well, we spent uh, some time in some local studios. Why? Uh, trying to get a feel for him to uh, find a place to record the drums. And how
0: did you feel about the experience? Uh,
2: good. <laughs> Both places were, had, their, had their ups and a couple of downs to be expected. <laughs> but I think it was, yeah, it was a positive experience. Yeah. Just got to decide where to go.
0: George's a good drummer, eh?
2: Yeah, extremely good drummer.
0: It's funny.
3: (laughs) The only drummer I know that comes to uh, jamming with either a mouse tail hanging out of his pants or else a bird poop-dropping stain (laughs) on the back of them.
2: (laughs) Or a sack hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which earns
3: him the nicknames Mouser and The Bird.
0: So we're getting ready. We're seeking out the means of recording our next record, correct,
3: boys? Mm -hmm. This is correct, Chris. It's going to be fun. Yeah. We got the tunes on the go. We're we definitely have tune. the tunes. Yeah.
0: How many songs we got, Beve? How many do you think we're working on right now?
3: Uh, don't look. Where's that board? I don't know. We probably
2: have at least 12, I guess, eh?
0: Would you agree with that, Todd? I would agree with that. That seems to be ballpark. What do you think of them? Uh, they're all very good. What direction do you guys think this record's going? Compared to say, the last few
2: I'd say the songs maybe in general as a whole rip a little harder,
0: yeah, more ripping, more ripping
3: more ripping,
0: and there's are they faster seems like maybe the generally faster, maybe a hair shorter, mm-hmm, yet more going on within, yes. Yeah, You know, a lot of people write to us, Beaver, you know this as well as I do, and they ask us about guitar setups, Mm -hmm. don't they? Yes. And what do we... Often, we don't even reply. (laughs) Why don't we? Why don't we just put an end to that and explain to the people what your recording setup is?
2: Well, I'll start with the recording setup that we had going yesterday that seems to be working pretty good. Uh, I'm playing my SG through... A dirty little secret, oh, <laughs> overdrive pedal. It's made by this company, Catlin Bread. Actually, before that, it goes into a ISP Decimator noise gate, and that all goes into a Marshall JCM 800. What year is that JCM 800? Any clue? Uh, I used to know. I think it's like '85 or something. It's the Canadian. It was the model made for Canada, and it's supposed to be better for some reason. I'm not sure
0: of. Did the man who sold it to you smell? Yes. And then it goes into a Mezzaboogie Rectifier 4x12. Is that correct? Correct. And do you know what mics we have on that cabinet?
2: I believe we had a AKG 414 and a Royer or something like that.
0: How do you think it sounds?
2: Uh, I think it sounds good. I think it sounds like my amp.
0: What is it you like about the JCM 800, Viv? Well, I guess
2: to my ears, it, I don't know. It doesn't sound fake. It sounds organic, which probably sounds ridiculous because it's a fake sound to start with, you know, it's an amplified guitar, but... Very interesting. Yeah. You're also playing a guitar, an SG that's been modified. Yeah, my SG years ago, I, I dropped it or something and it had a bad, had a bad uh, crack in the neck and it just wouldn't stay in tune, so I got a luthier friend here in the city to uh, take the neck off and put a new one on. Who was that? Darcy Bunio. <laughs> Bunio. <laughs> And how did that work out? Really good. It's uh it's a twenty-four fret neck now and uh lucky. And it's uh lightly varnished on like on the the side you grip. So it's just I don't know, my hand doesn't stick on it like it does on a
0: like a heavily varnished neck. Did you install the Bigsby? No, Darcy put that on. So Darcy put your Bigsby on. I mm-hmm. wish I had that and I wish I had a twenty-fourth fret.
2: You can have it if I you don't. talk to
0: Darcy Bunio. Beav, what's on your night table these days besides the condoms and lube okay what else is going on propaganda world beef hmm oh uh right. potential tour Oh. <laughs> do you know about this i do what month are we talking about boys May. May,
3: my birthday month.
0: Oh, 27th, right? Yeah. Good, good. May 27th. We'll actually be there. I know, we will. We'll be on tour for Todd's birthday this year. He's turning 41. <laughs> and, and 38.
2: 38. Wow. Beef, where are we going? We are going to Australia.
3: <laughs> and?
2: And Tasmania, but that's part of Australia.
0: Oh, yeah. that's right. Uh, Looking forward to it?
3: Yes, we are. Yeah. Yeah, and this time hopefully I'll have a voice and not a smashed knee. Last time I felt a little bit hobbled.
0: That's right. You yeah. had a smashed knee and you didn't sing <laughs> any songs, right? That's correct. That sucked.
3: Yeah, and I think Except we play it was a good lot. Tour. Yeah.
0: Yeah, oh, we had a good time. Yeah, it'll be an entirely different vibe for people at this show yeah, you will see a better band you will see guaranteed all of our songs well not all of them you'll see a, a better sampling of our songs represented a better performance and yeah. a better attitude from our drummer <laughs> <laughs> so that's in may late may The average male passes gas about 14 times a day. Seems a little low, doesn't it? (laughs) Flat D Innovations designed a line of patented charcoal-based deodorizing products to effectively conquer man's worst odor. Flatulence deodorizer activated charcoal cloth pads can resolve your condition safely and help you regain your self-confidence and dignity. Here's a quote from a customer. The product is my insurance against embarrassment. Gary C, flat
3: yeah. D customer. Gary C, I can picture him in the boardroom right now. <laughs> and then he thinks he has nothing to be embarrassed about because he's wearing his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> why not just put a brick of charcoal in your bum it's cheaper it's what I get from Santa every year anyway last week we did a little post on our thing and talked here about uh, our uh, book of the month club which I have realized Oprah has one too but I have not stolen this idea from her even though the person, just by chance, whose book I picked has been on Oprah, as I read in the book. The book's called A Thousand Sisters, and I have chose it because uh, she's going to the Congo because she feels like she actually wants to do something about uh, helping people there instead of sitting there like a yuppie like she was. In the
0: States or Canada? In the
3: States, yeah. The States. She's from the States, so she started doing this run to help people from the Congo and... Uh, she, I like guess an actual,
0: she, like a fundraising run? Like a run. fundraising
3: run, yeah. And I guess she was inspired by watching Oprah, which is whatever, it's good, I guess. You know, anything that gets people going, even though Oprah's show might suck the bag. And uh, yeah, so she starts running and raises money and then realizes that she wants to keep sponsoring people over there. And then she gets a few letters from Congo with everyone thanking her or whatever. So she actually goes there to see what's happening and... Of course, what's happening in the Congo is insane beyond anyone's comprehension or knowledge. There's like all kinds of armies raping women and killing, kidnapping, uh, killing thousands and millions of people. Millions of people dying from war and starvation. And so she goes there and the book is kind of about her trying to help people through uh, this organization called Women for Women. And uh I would say all in all a pretty good book. Gives people actually things you can do at the end of the book to raise some awareness of what's going on and like do doing things here in North yeah, America. Yeah, doing things here to help people there and it kind of shows like how far your money and helping people there really can go, you know? I don't think people here really realize the depth of uh of uh, trouble some people are in the world and sometimes the things she says might be a little cheesy and whatever but in the end i look at it you know she's doing something good most of us are not and uh yeah she gave up lots of stuff to go do it and anybody going to try to do something good in my books is a-okay what sort of things does she say in the book that we can do here She suggests that you can sponsor your own Congolese sister. takes you three minutes, $27 a month at www.womenforwomen.org. And, uh, yeah, it shows, the book basically shows how much can be done with that money. And uh, I guess you write letters back and forth uh, with your sister. And so I think that's kind of interesting what would
0: you say to people like it seems like since the mid 80s there's a way for people to characterize any concern about Africa as like a caricature like some sort of do-gooder
3: thing yeah what would you say to people like that well there's two ways to look at the world you're either doing something or you're not and for me like in a way that do people calling people do gooders maybe it makes things like genocides in Rwanda and that like kind of acceptable because people feel like you're cliche for caring about a genocide of a million people, you know, or maybe it doesn't have like the the anarchist bent or the revolutionary outlook, you know, that would make something cool to people. But like I look at the world, like where is there 4 million people killed? Where was there 1 million people killed? Where, you know, and it's happening every day in the most horrific and the most insane murders and kidnappings and child soldiering and with the hands of us with the hands of these the states china everyone's hands are all in all the pies of the world you know i think it's easy to try to make someone seem cliche or cheesy for caring just so you can go on about your business like i think that's just the uh the trajectory of history and cool people like you uh, hey, man, like, I'm collecting records here, man. Like, uh, don't bother me with your cheesiness, you know? To me, like, I see those people as utter, utter cheese, you know? Like, I laughable pieces of cheese, <laughs> ready to be nibbled by the Mises. So, yeah, I don't know. I just say, like, if you have a sense of justice in your body or your mind or anything, like, Carry on doing what you're doing, just please don't come and pretending to be a rebel and stuff to me. If everything you do in your life is exactly on point of just consumerism and stupid, but instead of a polo shirt, you happen to have a Motorhead shirt, you know, <laughs> or you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That's why we're asking these questions. Yeah, makes sense. Yep, good. <laughs>
0: Hey, we're back on the Propagandy podcast, aren't we, Todd?
3: We are, Chris. Who are we with? Me, you, and Chol Mayom. Chol? Yeah. Where's he from? He is from, uh, what street is he from? Luelda Street. (laughs) Originally from Sudan, Yes, Yes, I'm from Sudan, yeah. I guess we'll thank Chol for coming down. Minus 28 today, we went all the way across the city.
4: So, Chol, how, how do you know Todd? I met Todd at a Need Center. Okay. Uh, need Center is a, a private agency that work with the immigrants and uh, refugees that are pretty new to uh, to Winnipeg. So uh, Todd is a really uh, a volunteer there and is 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 really great with the kids. And we had him for quite a while. That's where I met him, and then we become friends. I attend one of you guys' shows and. It was really good, wasn't it? It was an awesome show. <laughs> Just kidding. And how, and you came from Sudan when? I came here uh February two thousand and four. Okay. So I've been here for a while. Yeah. But at the same time I'm still cold. So, yeah. <laughs> so And, are we?
0: and what, what were the uh what were the what was the situation that, that made you want to come here or uh, made you have to come here?
4: To start with, I I've been a refugee for fourteen years before I came here. So in my country, there's a, there's a civil war that's been going on for such a long time, 22 years of a fight until the peace agreement signed. But uh, if you speak on my history, actually I'm not, like I wasn't born in Sudan, and it's because of the same situation of war in Sudan. I was born in Ethiopia. Hmm. And uh, I went back to Sudan when I was about three years old, and then we went you know, like back and forth between Ethiopia and Sudan. It was a long journey, but we uh, we settled in Kenya, so I spent a lot of time in Kenya. What brought me here was to find a better life, somewhere you can feel safe and have enough food to eat every day and uh, take a shower, not, you know, like stay for such a long time, you know, because you have to make a decision either you had those water to drink or have them for a shower, so, right. yeah. Uh, so those things are the, what brought me here uh, through the the Canadian government. Cho, what do you do here in town? i I work with the kids at a uh, need center, and uh, I actually said what need center meant before. And when I first came here, I you know I didn't have, I didn't know nothing, and you know not having places like need center before, if I knew before, I probably would have. Uh, I'm okay now, but I probably would have been in better situation uh, than I than I were before, right? But having a new immigrants coming there and have people like me to say that don't make a mistake that I make at the first place when I came here is very important, and that's one of the things I do is to provide uh, uh, people who came from the same situation I came from with the knowledge that I already had here. And say is the right way to go and be careful out there this wall is not easy as it look. So that's that's one of the things that I do is um uh, you know be a big brother to the little ones. You're yeah. no. also going <laughs> to
3: Red River College?
4: Yes. Um I I'm, I'm go I'm doing a, a community development. It's called C D C E D and I'm pretty sure a lot of uh, people from that programs that are in that department will be listening to to this. They really, they really a, a community base. They they help. They they wanna know what's going on out there. And when I mentioned that I'm gonna be here, they were excited. They're like, oh yeah, let us know whenever. Oh cool. Yeah. So I know like, you know, my classmate will be listening. Uh, the whole department will be. So yeah, I'm cool. excited. <laughs> Todd said the, the reason
0: you're here, or we, we asked you here, is because Todd, yeah. was, Todd was talking about a referendum that's underway in, in Sudan that yeah. uh, he said people, should be, people here should be aware of.
3: I guess, Chol, you voted uh, recently. Oh, you went to...
4: To Calgary, yeah. Oh, you can um, vote
0: from, from Calgary?
4: Yes. Uh, what they did was that uh, there was two different uh, stations in Canada, I'm not sure if it was three, but I know there was two, one in Toronto and one in uh, in Alberta, Calgary. And what you could do is that you when you have to be in person to register and board, so we went down there, and there was a blessed like, big storm when we left, you know, and, you know, by the time we got back, we had, like, like we stuck at the highway for, like, uh, 40, you know, like, three hours or so because of... The big storm that was going on, but uh, we we finally got there, and we, I voted for the first time. Like I never had any political, you know, never had to deal with whatever things like voting, and and uh, until that time, the referendum in in uh, in Calgary is to choose if if Sudan wanna separate from Northern Sudan or if they still wanna stay together, and you know, like make it a a one big country as they were. But uh according to my understanding right now is no one is voting for the unity and there's a lot of reason to that, you know. First would be uh they want a self uh, determination. Like um they wanna govern their self and feel free and do whatever they want to do as not being looked at as a second class is, citizen. Is this,
0: sorry to interrupt it's because there's an ethnic divide between North and South?
4: Yes. Uh if you go down northern Sudan, it's more Muslim, and it's Islamic regime, kind of. And they've been in power for such a long time, so they don't acknowledge other people that are in Sudan, and Sudan is one of the diverse places in Africa. It had, such like, 135, something like that, languages and different groups but they don't you know like they don't they're not accepting the other groups that are around and they want whole uh, nation to be a muslim state so the other people didn't feel like that's that's the way to go and they want the freedom to be free and do things that they want to do by themselves but they're not being given that right that's why they've been fighting for such a long time and that's one of the reason too right that they are separating right now is because of the diversity and the languages and, you know, not being to understand each other mm-hmm. and the, uh, the whole Christians and Muslim uh, situation. I think right now it's going to be better. Like, I feel like having to be worried a lot. So I talked to Todd so many times about, you know, like, because I had a family back there, my grandma and... My uncles and my uncle families, everybody's still there except my mom, my moms, and I. My family is only here in Winnipeg, so if anything's go wrong, then there's a lot of worry to us, right? Because we we should be worried anyways in general, but having to have a a family there is is, is pretty it's pretty hard. And
0: so. People here know of Darfur. They know the name Darfur. Yes. Is, is this sort of what this is from? Like Western Sudan has the same issues with Northern Sudan that Southern Sudan has, uh, or?
1: not
4: quite. Uh, that like people are really aware of what's going on in Darfur, but this just happened in six years ago or something like that. But the the Sudan, uh, the South and North Northern Sudan fight has been going on for twenty two years, and it surprised me that there's not a lot of people that know about it and sometime when you talk about it they you know like they they think you're talking about Darfur but right. that's not you know not the case the war in uh, in southern sudan is a totally different things that war had lost so many lives around you know 2 million life i i heard and in the, and one of those 2 million lives would be my dad so like um is something personal to me sometimes, mm-hmm. and the way I look at it as to educate people to have knowledge on what's going on in Southern Sudan would be a better way to uh, to make people engage and make a difference and in, in 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 Sudan right now. So Darfur, on the other hand, was a genocide that happened because this the Darfur region didn't wanna back up the northern government anymore because they, they were the one who were fighting the South either so they were paid to do that but then since they didn't get whatever they felt like they were getting they start to break out but then the government don't want them to break out mm. so they fought the uh, the Darfur people and so that's how the whole thing's happened but you know like people even if I say I'm from Sudan they assume that I'm Somewhere in Darfur, <laughs> yeah, and
3: and I guess like around, uh, Khartoum, and that the people with power are like more light-skinned people, and people in Darfur and South Sudan are dark-skinned. Dark yeah, so they're the darker-skinned people aren't allowed to participate, really.
4: Yeah, and that's that's uh, the part of self-determination I talk about. There's a law in Sudan called Sharia law. Mm-hmm. That law is a uh, is Islamic regime that if you are second class you cannot achieve more than working in companies or you've been working in companies and I have someone that is my you know like lighter skinned than me, that person is ahead of me regardless of whatever skills you can provide. So those law that's what make people fight for twenty two years because how could you be a second class citizen in your own country? It doesn't make any sense. So, the lighter skins in the in the northern part of Sudan they are in power, and they've been seen the European left because you know like when they when they immigrate to Sudan, they had a lots of wealth they brought so many things with them, and they settled there so in they took power right away after the the british uh left the uh, the nation so Having you know like, like I has said before that you know lighter skins are, are pretty much the wealthy one and they feel they're in control of everything you know that's that's the part of the you know the conflicts in Sudan is that we have diversity we have people that are way darker skins, and there's people that are lighter skins that feel that you know the the you know the upper class then the people that are darker skin. How did British colonialism play
0: into how things are now? Like when the British left, did they, did they give the power over to a certain ethnic group and that, that caused the problem?
4: Yeah, well, like the British were the cause of this at the beginning because when, they, when, when the people actually that originate from Sudan were the Nuban type, uh Nuba is a, is a tribe in, in southern Sudan. Well, now they're part of the Northern Sudan, according to the map. So what the British did was they create a situation where they put one side of a group separately and try to keep them away from what's going on down the north. So Mm -hmm. Southern Sudan were where they put all the, you know, like, the color and all the, you know, the darker-skinned people and try not to... Be aware on what else is going on there, what deal is being made, what you know, like, and so, and then that's how they did the transactions when the the you know the the North, Northern government came in power, and they got it through the the British, and they created all these two states, you know, like at the beginning it was being like that, so there will never be like a whole Sudan connected because. They never actually had to live in that way. Right. Yeah, it was something great. So British play a big role in it, and now there's a a fight between, because the part of that used to be southern Sudan uh, has been occupied by uh, the northern people, while uh, well, they have a lot of population now, and we have around 8, eight, eight million people in Sudan compared to the thirty eight millions in uh in northern Sudan,
3: lots of uh, oil pipelines and that go from South Sudan up through the north to the for, north yeah. for export Yes you
4: know. uh, like Sudan in general is really full of you know natural resources mm-hmm. and so many like mineral and uh, gold and, and uh, oil is the big things now, mm-hmm. and oil in Sudan is mainly uh, in the south. Like eighty percent of the oil produced in the south, but the the way they exported is down. You know all their uh, infrastructure and you know the pipelines they down down the uh, the northern part of a country. So it, it created a big uh, problems there because you see these regions that. That is not as big as the northern part of uh, Sudan uh, have the whole gas, all the whole oils, and that's that's been part of the fight too. Because if you see if they see themselves losing that seventy percent, eighty percent of the budgets, then it's gonna be a big problem for them because they rely on that, and for them to keep control of that is to fight. The, the people and the civilians and keep the area open so they can still keep in control of of that uh, place. Like I said, the the peace will be better having peace in Sudan. But at the same time, we you know we're not sure how is that gonna go because there's a lot of things that are not solved. As Todd said, the oil. That that, is- that almost sounds like a
0: recipe for a civil war if the referendum goes in favor of. Separation of the south and the north wants the resources. They won't,
4: Yeah, I feel like they're not gonna let it go uh, that easy, because they really rely on so many things in south, not just the oil itself, but like water, for example. So there's a lot of things to be solved. They have to be border lines. They don't know where to draw the line between you know the south and the, the north. They had a uh, oil is one of them either to be solved and the water, you know, you can't divide the big Niles, like Nile is one of the longest river running uh, in, in, in the whole continent of, of Africa. The, where it starts is pretty much in the thousands, part of the Sudan running down the north. So all of these things haven't been solved yet. So the referendum is just the beginning. It's not, you know, like the end.
0: You're listening to our conversation with Chol Mayom, a community development organizer and former Sudanese refugee now living in Winnipeg. We spoke to him in our filthy, stinking practice space.
3: So obviously all the people around use the water, but where does the, uh, the money from all the oil go to?
4: All the money and goes, oil itself, I guess. Well, like the the China is the big uh exp, you know, like export of the oil in, in Sudan, and they're not sharing the revenue equally. The one person, you know, like one side of the country is getting uh, so much of that, and that costs all the other, you know, ethics or groups in in Sudan. Say, I want a little bit of that because. I belong here, and China is not doing it in a way that it benefit the people on the ground. They're doing it in in such a way that it benefit only one part in a bad way, either, because they're trading gas with the weapons and the you know like the military power and things like that. If you go now down the southern Sudan, there's nothing there, even though they have eighty percent of the oil. There's nothing there; is all like. Amity and you know, in infrastructure is not even there's no buildings and no roads and no sewage or things like that. So it it really it's pretty sad in some in some way if you look at it because they should be benefit through that. But uh, having China to be the one who's exporting oil and trading it for the guns and it's not like you know it it causes a lot of uh, problems. And those problems would be, you know, genocide in Darfur because the weapons are being provided to them, to other militia out there in Sudan to do the dirty work. And the money usually goes down, you know, northern governments. And you look at Khartoum now, it's probably not far away from the devolved countries. Like, it's all glassy and, Mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, it's big buildings compared to the others. uh,
3: And uh, Canada benefits from this... Situation as well correct
4: yes, uh Canada used to be involved in it actually, but then they have to they they were held accountable because they're part of the uh, uh what is it called, um, the uh, united Council the security council the security Council you- i think uh the five different countries and then for them to to maintain that they have to stay out of uh, human rights uh, issues and uh, so Back then, Canada was involved, was one of the people who was taking gas from Sudan and paying for it. As we know, we don't know where the money goes. Mm-hmm. But we know where it goes. They base the military in, in in, areas in Sudan. And, you know, the exit from that situation uh, tried to avoid the whole Security Council thing. But they're doing it in such a way where it's a smart way, I should say. They let some, you know, like India, for example, is, is now second major export of gas in Sudan. Do the dirty work, and they still get fifteen percent of that mm-hmm. gas through India. So it's not like they totally exit from it. Right. Just a just yeah. An illusion. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a, it's a smart way to do it. It's like you you know, you, India, you do this, and we get that from you. Get this promise. We get that from you. So. Right. It's like a trade exchange.
0: Those are some pretty obvious things, I think, that why people here should know about should know, yeah. Sudan. And but is the ultimate goal just to get more eyes on it, so nothing crazy can happen, or is the ultimate like what should people do over here once they know this stuff?
4: The goal here is not to say that uh, I benefit one side. I'm I'm really a big supporter of whatever happened in Sudan. I don't want to see them go back to you know to war and fight. To prevent that is not it's not as hard as people think it is. It's to do a wake up call and let the P.E. You know, let the people in power, for example, like uh, you know, Parliament in uh, in, uh, in Ottawa, know that all the the whole world is watching what's going on in Sudan, and make sure that all the you know all the other sides in Sudan know the whole nation, is, you know, like of Sudan is being watched, so they don't act violently again is one one group Mm -hmm. and that would prevent the whole fight to break 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 out again right so I feel like having every person that whoever listened to this uh, know that you could you could play a part in this is you can write a letter to your uh, people in uh, parliaments or even people in this area like your politicians uh, could make a difference, and all the le- all the letters that goes there will they will look at it anyways and know that oh yeah there's people that actually you know we had a lot like um big number of thirty thousand people sudanese in 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 uh in in canada if if not more and
3: right. I guess it's even easier than writing a letter because you just have to type in who you want to send it exactly to email, yeah right
4: because right. now so, we have technology working yeah. and stuff yeah,
0: and I guess politicians don't do anything unless there's like a critical mass of people that yes, show they're yeah. interested in it.
4: Yeah, and we did, like, when these Darfur things happened, we did work for Darfur, and and uh, we, you know, like, we went to schools, we, you know, in, in, let people educate on what the Sudan looked like according to our life history, you know, like, where we came from, and you know, things we experienced, and and it, it it didn't make a lot of difference. We you know like we did a rally in uh, in legislation buildings, and those little things make people know that oh there's people out there that care about what's going on in in places like Sudan. And I'd Thank say you. from
3: our perspective, it's important for us to realize uh, what what we're taking from places like Africa. You yeah. know like giving like little aid pittances to different countries but actually taking so so many resources in that for free and not letting the country like reap their own earnings, you know? So yeah. we're tre- treating all these countries like truly unfairly to to kind of create this imbalance that makes people have to come from those countries to Canada whether they would like to or not.
4: Yeah, I, I look at it in terms of the whole universe now is a dog, dog eat dog war, right? You gotta find something to survive, and according to that, is uh, all the other nations who who can find what they can benefit on, they will go for it. And China, you know, should be questioned on, you know, all the bombing, all the the air, uh, helicopter and all the aircraft that they provide to Sudan had cost two million people life, but no one ex- actually ever questioned that. I seen the Olympic, and there was people that were going Like, even the United States, they want to do, the you know, uh, boycotting, and they don't want to go to the games and because of what China is doing. It's great, but at the same time, that's what they want to do now, either. They are big supporters of separation in Sudan, so they can get rid of China. And be part of that oil going on in right, Sudan. Right. So it's all politics if you look at it, anyways. So they should know better. Now what China did and not going in there, looking at it that they will get benefit through that oil and do the same mistakes. So in either way, uh, the people in Southern Sudan they not educate on all these things. They you know they mostly for you know survive on what's out there, like the trees, the natural resources, and all those kind of things, but they don't really, you know, like, it's like 92% of people in Sudan don't know how to read or write, you know, they're not educated on anything at all, but people are being benefited through that, so people like United States should be careful that. like, mm-hmm. they're supporting all of this, uh, so they can get rid of China, and, you know, uh, occupied the whole gas in Sudan, in Southern Sudan, because if if China if, if Northern separate from South, they don't have voice anymore to say, you know this and that. So it's all like the same category. We feel like anyone who's getting benefit to through whatever going on just don't cause the problems. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know our people don't know what is being taken, but does it really matter? No. Because it's not what matters is the life of the people right
0: what what else do we what else should we cover here that we haven't we're we missing
3: anything?
4: I think we covered everything except that the whole people like you and Todd make a big difference and we ha- people have to say thank you to to that right? and you know I couldn't say thank you enough to uh, all the listeners and you guys to uh provide this um I did uh, a few you know presentations before cuz you know when I when I start knowing English better I did a lot of talk you know like a speech on my uh, my life history and try to uh, make people educate on what actually what brought us here you know you know the government is made out of the people in the ground, and what I mean by that is, is a individual uh, person who feel like your voice is being heard, and you could say whatever is what bring us here, and through that we are here now. So I am I call myself uh, a Canadian. I don't know how my Canadian citizenship yet, but I've been here for six years, so I consider myself one, and I I I offer what I had into into this uh, uh, wonderful nations, and I just to remind people that uh, you know all the other people that came here searching for a better life, they're having a, you know the best life they could have, but it's not that we don't like where we're from. We like where we promised but we didn't have a choice to come here. And there's people who feel like we came here, we're taking things from their lands, and that's you know like that's not how it is. It's it's a you know, situation that come. And who knows? I'm looking forward to go to Sudan someday and like see how things improve and uh, come back with the great news and say, look, we did it. Like the whole nation of Canada did it, it's not just one person. So, uh that I feel like it's important to be said. And I'm I like I'm proud to be here. I really like it and it's is a great opportunity. Joel what's your favorite what's your favorite band? My favorite band will be your band <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> because I I I like a lot of reggae uh music. Oh, yeah. I listen to a lot of uh uh, Bomali, Lakidube, Peter Tosh, uh, Peter Tosh. We just played Peter Tosh on the last episode. Awesome, yeah. yeah. And uh, Shaggy, I like reggae a lot, yeah. and some of hip hop, but it's not like my base. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really into reggae a lot, and when I first went to uh, to your show, I was I was like, because. <sighs> I'd never seen something like that, and I think it's heavy metal. And <laughs> people, beside music, were crazy. Like, <laughs> they were throwing things, they jumping. i was like, wow, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it opened my eyes that you should listen to some, a lot of different things. Joel, do you want to send a song out? Uh, One Law by Bomali. That's such a great song and they have a powerful message. So. so we should, you know, all love each other regardless of what. So I guess that's what I could uh, all
5: right. say to Let's get together and be alright. Let them all pass right. oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Blessing us who has hurt all mankind, just uh, a savior's home. Believe one love. He's a Gideon.
0: So uh, we'd like to thank you all for listening today, wouldn't we, boys? We would. Yes, thank you. Thank you all. And feel free to send donations. And we'll talk to you next month. (laughs) Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Average male passes gas about 14 times a day. Seems a little low, doesn't it?